do you ever find yourself looking around wondering at just how much stuff you have accumulated over the years? What about all that stuff you store online digitally? Is it organized? Is it efficient? Well, today's guest, Paul Socket, is here to shed some light on streamlining our stuff in the spaces around us. Have you ever felt like there was something missing in your business? Something holding you back from the success you're seeking? If so, you are not alone. For nearly 20 years, that's exactly how I felt as a business owner. It wasn't until I discovered human design that it all became clear. And it turns out that I was the missing piece in my own business. Join me on this journey of discovering the real me and hear stories from other business owners building businesses around all of their awesomeness. I'm Young Pratt, and it's time, my friend, to amplify your awesome. Hey there, amplifiers. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you are tuning in. If it's your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome. I'm Yang Pratt. I'm a content gold mining expert and amplifier here at Amplify Your Awesome. So glad to have you here with us today because we have an amazing guest to talk about something really juicy, and that is stuff. Let me tell you about our guest. Paul is a storyteller. He's a creator, a professional actor, and voice artist. He's also a coach who helps people streamline their lives and realign with their story. How cool is that? And the stories that he helps us redefine or realign and how it impacts our space and the things in it. Paul, I am so grateful you said yes to this interview. I'm grateful that Jeff connected us and I'm excited to dive into this topic of stuff. Me too, I can't wait. So Paul, I want to know, I, I know you're a professional actor, you're a professional voice artist, you do all these things, you love performing. How did all of these things in your life that you love doing lead to what you're doing today, helping people really organize and, and realign with their stuff? Well, I think from the, from the acting perspective, uh, embodying emp empathically other people and being able to feel other people's stories has really helped me sit into that space of hearing other people's stories about the things that they own and the choices that they make. Because ultimately everything we have in our lives, we chose. And to me, why, and I went through this process. So this, the workshop that I lead, the, the space that I hold for people and the things that I invite them to try all come from my own journey through my relationship with stuff <laughs> and having lots of it. Um, I, so I, I tend to use the word story and identity interchangeably mm -hmm. because what I've come to feel, and this may change, who knows if you ask me tomorrow, but in this moment, it feels that identity is the person that we learned to be and the things we learned to say and how we learn to behave when we were a kid in order to feel control and safety. Mm. And so that, so for me, it was being useful. I learned that being useful validated me in the relationships, in the familial space, in the um, educational spaces that I, that I was in. And so that 
can shift in terms of the wording as we get older and as life happens and we are in larger spaces with different people, more people. And so for me, it was all about books. I acquired like 600 books <laughs> over time. Um, they were all plays. It was all about um, my identity was being prepared. So useful to prepared mm -hmm. and, and professional and ready. And so it got to this point where I must have just bought one more book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it was just the tipping point between the discomfort of keeping the story going became heavier than the discomfort of change. Hmm. And so it just made me, well, it took practice. This is the thing, the, the, the key thing is practice. Um, I practiced seeing everything as a new thing and not what I, what I call lumping. So if I, if I take all this evidence that I've accrued, these 600 books, that's a lot of evidence that my identity <laughs> that I've taken a long time to, to prove is true. There's a lot of evidence there. Mm -hmm. But if I get to separate and I get to take one book out of the 600, um, I, get to, I get to give it some factual context. It loses some of that potency of this is part of me. And I get to reframe it as this was once a choice. And I get to make a new choice. What do I want that choice to be? Mm. So I get to slowly and in small ways, which are sometimes really significant, I get to notice the story I was trying to tell. I get to notice the identity that I was trying to prove to everybody else. It was how I wanted them to see me as prepared, professional, ready. And I realized that I didn't need the books in order to be professional, ready and prepared. So it meant that I, over time, released these books, most of them anyway, I still own some, because it is a practice. It's not just about, okay, get rid and suddenly the problem's solved. Because A, it isn't a problem, it's just a piece of information. And it's, and it's a low stakes way of making a new choice. Because if we got rid of everything, we ignore the story. We sort of go, oh, well, that was a thing. It's gone now. <laughs> but each time we do one book, the, the story is still there. And we get to see how our relationship with it changes. We get to make new choices all the time. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you kind of wrap it up as it's a choice. We are, we're all making these choices at every moment and every day. And the idea that we are different than the things around us. That's a tough lesson. I know, you know, before I came into the online space, I ran a brick and mortar performing arts studio for 17 years. And it took me a long time to, to disengage from that identity. And that's what, who I was and what I did and how I was known for all those years. So to find that new place, that, that new choice of being someone who was the same person, just extracted and put in a different location, I guess I can use that word. And I imagine a lot of listeners have felt this or are going through this now where they're having to make some choices, whether it's professionally or personally. And the idea that we can streamline rather than get rid of all the stuff, because I know I've done those purges too, and you get done thinking, wait, 
I thought I would feel something more and I didn't, I didn't really feel anything. Now I'm stressed out. I'm sad because all these things I accumulated over the years are gone. So, so let's talk about this idea of streamlining our stuff, because you said, you know, you went from 600 books to, you know, a couple dozen, perhaps, because I know you're on the road traveling, you're a wanderer. So I imagine books are kind of a hard thing to tote around from place to place. So they're probably pretty, pretty pared down. How do you suggest we take a look at our stuff, one, and then decide or make a choice on what to sort of streamline and decide we don't need anymore? It's a great question. So anyone who has stuff and more stuff than they feel they want and need in this moment, here's, here's the, the, you are doing exactly what you've been conditioned to do. So congratulations. You aren't a bad person. <laughs> you aren't doing it wrong. You've been told that you should have more. And you've spoken about the myth of more, right? Yes, absolutely. In, in the context of stuff, we are constantly told to renew, uh, buy more, like increase the quantity of, replace stuff all the time, seasonally, actually, for a lot of stuff. And then there's the intuitive self that is always fighting for our team. And that muscle is weakened by just not being used or not being listened to. Because the amount of media, the amount of messaging that we get that more is better, and then contrasted with the less is more, Mm -hmm. how are we meant to exist in that space? This, This is why I created the workshop and the content that I've created because there there wasn't a space in some of the other things that exist, which have can be helpful for people, but it just wasn't for me. Um, even the wording around what they're called is <laughs> shaping us. Yeah, I'm trying not to say them, yeah, but yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I, I can picture someone in my mind right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Begins with an M. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> That's exactly and, what I was thinking. Yeah, and the wording itself is less. It's less, less ing. Yes. <laughs> and, and so for me, what I've felt through trying to engage with those methods is there's no space for the shame and the hard feelings. There is a, a need. There's a messaging that tells us we need to put the hard feelings to one side because the result that we're looking for is to have less stuff. And so that speaks to your experience of Mm -hmm. you thought there would be more energetic, emotional shift. The story still exists as to why you bought that thing in the first place and why you, there was a story up here that said, this is why you should continue to keep it. So I call the past and future wise why I got it in the first place and why I should continue to keep it. Those icky feelings that are all tied to this identity that we've been fighting so long for to keep, they still exist within the stuff. So what we might find is that we start to acquire new stuff that might not be identical, but if we, if we can find that space to lean into what that thing represents, it's still tied to the same story so by not engaging with by not allowing 
or shaping our space to accommodate shame and fear and doubt and all of the shoulds, it means that we start to use those things as the, the, what, the filter through which we make the choice, which is normally keep it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, because it's terrifying, which means that there is, with the messaging of other methods, the fact that we didn't get rid of the thing means we failed. And so we're constantly battling this spectrum that actually doesn't exist where there's a win and a loss, where there's a success and a failure. And so my method allows for reconnecting with an individual object as a new thing and giving it factual context. So it's the who, what, when, where, why, and how, how many. And so some of those questions might be super easy. Some we might not even remember the answer to. <laughs> but we get to the but we get to the why and what we get to notice and we get to hold space for are the past and the future whys which is well this is why this is why i kept it in this is why i got it in the first place this is why it's really important and oh yeah but you should continue to keep it because it might come in handy like that's often <laughs> that's often the way, like, it, it, well it might come in handy so it makes sense like otherwise it's a waste of money otherwise you know i'm wasteful um i'm not looking after the planet you know all of these kind of grand concepts so we keep it through through the ease of not feeling <laughs> dis-ease because if we actually go, okay, there's space for that. I'm going to allow these feelings of past and future wise, along with all the other pieces of factual context. And I then turn the feelings into a piece of factual context. I go to, I, I say, there are feelings attached to this object. So then the next step is to realign and we get to ask the question, do I want or need this now? It's the most important question. Do I want or need this mm -hmm. now? Not should you, not it might. Do you want or need it now? And rather that to, and again, to avoid this need of, if you get rid of it, it's a good thing. If you don't get rid of it, it's a bad thing. You have the, do I want or need this now? Yes, no, or not no yet. Because though I might have allowed space for the hard feelings to happen, and all of the shoulds and all of the shame, the choice might still feel too hard, even though I've factually contextualized it. So I get to put it in the not know yet. All of the things we own are related to each other. There is a, you know, a sharing of space and a sharing of some energy in there. So if I choose to put this pen, which was my dad's and he's no longer with us, right? So there's feelings attached to this pen. If I choose to put that in the not know yet pile, and then I go around some of my other objects and I then come back to this pen at some point, the relation I have with this pen is different because I've chosen yes or no or not no yet on four or five other objects. And one of them might have been another fountain pen, which uh, I don't have cartridges for. So I, I've like, oh, I don't want that now because I don't have the cartridges for it. So now the choice becomes less about the emotional state and it's more about the factual context. And I might notice the feelings I have on this pen are, are smaller, still there, but not as potent, not as shoddy. Mm -hmm. 
new word. <laughs> so then I go, oh, do I want something this now? Oh, it's the only fountain pen I have. And it's the, we start to process the factual bits more and we go, oh, yes, I do want this now. So we get to feel the hard feelings and we get to notice the, the commonalities. There might be a few things that are tied to my dad. And I might go, oh, there's the pen and there's the, the glasses case and then there's the, the thing. Oh, they're all tied to my dad. Oh, right. Interesting. Not, oh, no, you've got, you've got daddy problems. Like, it's just a case of going, oh, there's some information mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. So then when I come around to something else that has a connection to my dad, I get to go, oh, okay, I rec I'm recognizing those feelings. They don't feel as alien. They don't feel as, as whelmful. And it just has helped me so much. And the people that I've worked with, it actually means that whether they keep the thing or don't keep the thing is irrelevant because the aim is to just realign that story of like, who are you in this moment? Who do you want? What story do you want to tell? Um, so it's, it's a really glorious thing to witness as people start to re relinquish the need for result and start to come into what I call the present why, which is the do I want or need mm -hmm. this now? Conscious choice. It might yeah. be yes, might be no, might be not no yet. And it's all beautiful and fine because conscious choice is all that I try to invite people towards. Yeah, and I love this process of yours because you mentioned the conditioning because when we grow up, we, yeah, we were conditioned to have this more mentality all the time. So when we go through this and, and we are sorting through our stuff, I love the process that you allow for the feelings, the emotions, because I think in other methods, that's not part of it, right? You don't, you just, it's a snap judgment. And I know for me and in, in, in my type of human design, making decisions takes a little bit of time because I really do need to experience all the emotions, the highs and lows before I actually make the decision. So that other method, when I tried it, yeah, the next day, because it was a different day, it was like, oh man, this does not, this is not nice. And I had to go replace things because I didn't ask myself the question, do I need it now? Is it useful now? Because they were, um, and I've gone through this process several times and I, I've rebought a lot of things because I didn't really allow those feelings to come up. So I really appreciate that you say, you know, you want to, you want to give it factual context and ask yourself some questions. And as it relates to your identity, as it relates to your story, that's, I think the missing piece in a lot of different systems that that part is our, our self and who we are and the story we have in our head is disengaged from the stuff. So in this perspective, I really do like that you're taking all that into consideration. You guide people through this process. So at the end, it feels, it feels good. It feels satisfying. There is a result. It's not black and white. There may have been some muddy areas. However, there's still a result. And the end result, it sounds like your client's experience is that they're grateful because they understand the story that the stuff was telling to them. Mm. Yeah, and they get to they get to claim their space as theirs. Yes. There's, there's, a real, there's a real energy in life that we have to earn our right to be in space. That we have to justify the bigger house by filling it. We have to justify being in a relationship by being um, helpful and caring and all, and, and those are all great qualities. <laughs> But it it's, can, can be harmful to the self to use that as a tool 
to success, to the result. Because it's because the result in that framework is that relationship stays as a relationship mm-hmm. forever. <laughs> so if there's some form of relinquishing of the need for that, that mm-hmm. that model of the lifetime relationship um, as something that we need to fight for, word, I, I love words and our words are so powerful. Um, our words matter and our words are also parts of our stuff. The words that we use are words that we choose to to tell other people and share our identity with other people. Um, so I'm really always very conscious about the words I use. And if I and if someone uses a word, so I believe that everyone's got a definition, a different definition of all of the words based on their <laughs> lived experience. So what that means is it can be a bit of a tricky minefield. I mean, I've been in conversations with people where it feels like we're just missing each other. And they're using a word like commitment. And I, I'm thinking, why are we not clicking in this moment? Because their definition of commitment potentially is different to mine. But what I'm doing is I'm hearing their words through my definition. So what I get to do, and it's vulnerable as heck. <laughs> and it requires patience and it requires trust of ourselves and also the person that we're talking to, to ask them what they mean by a word. Like to ask them, how do you define commitment? Because, because I want to hear that word through how you mean it. Because then when I get to use the word commitment, I can use it within the framework that they understand. And that is how conscious choice in a um, relationship and in a conversation is is kept because as soon as I start to filter someone else's words through my lens I'm over there somewhere (laughs) and they're going off in this direction thinking I'm with them but then by the time we get to conflict which is always like the point where we're then shouting at each other (laughs) it's like we're miles apart and we're trying to reach into the middle and we're just confused as to how suddenly we're miles apart from each other. So by shaping our space with patience and by re- releasing the need for an end result of our conversation where I win, you lose, <laughs> or I lose, you win, we can sacrifice our own belief for the sake of somebody else's happiness or pleasure we get to go on this journey of conversation together and it's incredible. It's beautiful. And there is no, it's, there is no fatigue that happens in those conversations because um, it's just, it's refilling and it's glorious and it requires work and time to build that trust with another person. And to also just like with the stuff of like picking up a thing and going, feelings, (laughs) (laughs) The more we do it in a low stakes environment, the more space we have to notice some of those individual feelings, not the lumping of (laughs) that it can feel instead. That is the same with conversation. And it's, and it's a bit of a lost art actually now because it's, we're in a very uh, divided world where, having a standpoint is key 
and that there is no wavering from that standpoint. Right. Yeah. And I've never really thought about when I say words and somebody else interprets them that their meaning is not going to be the same as mine. So, but it is true because we all have our different experiences. We have different upbringings, different, different life events that have happened. So we put words into the context that makes sense for our brains. So that leads me to the next question about, you know, that people may not interpret your words the same way. So when you're creating content, I first want to know your favorite way to create content, but how do you choose the words that are going to resonate with the people you want them to resonate with? That's a great question. That's a great question. And it's a, re it's a, for me at this point, it's still a tricky one to navigate because there is the part of me that has been conditioned <laughs> to be able to quantify my impact and to make things dependent on that impact in order to, ju to justify the effort. And there's this part of me, this intuitive self who, who is going, that's heavy, man. That's real heavy. <laughs> and, that, and that takes a lot of effort just to find that space because it, what it requires me to do is to embody another person almost, to embody marketing Paul or content Paul or whatever we want to call him, <laughs> to then create the thing that is going to impact the most people. So what I start to do, as it all comes back to story, is I start to get very general. Because what I'm trying to do is play the numbers. It's, it, the economy is based on large numbers. Because what happens then is you can, you can predict people. People become very predictable in large numbers. So if, if I choose to neglect or um, put to one side my... Um, the words that feel aligned in this moment to write down or share. And I go, Oh yeah, but that that's only probably only a few people are going to think that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> what I can do is I can start to play the economic system game and go, okay, what would a thousand people like to hear? And that story can be again, a million miles away from what feels true. So I have to stay anchored to this content pole as hard as possible. And that takes all this energy. So then the words that come out are even less energetic. <laughs> so it's all about, we can't create energy. We can only transfer energy. So it's how we utilize that energy in that space. And if I instead go, what are the words that feel really juicy and like curiosity inducing for me mm -hmm. or exciting or all of these things, not important, not impactful, not significant. That's all subjective to me in this moment. What feels like the next word? That's all we need to be thinking about the next word. Cause there's always a word behind it. We just don't need to know what it is yet. And so for me, I enjoy writing poetry um, I started a little experiment during May trying to write a small intimacy themed poem um, for the month of May um, and that's been going really great and it's really fun and it's really great for me as I'm a solo wanderer my, my girlfriend's in America and we won't see each other for six months what intimacy gets to look and feel like for me and in this world that we are living in in this moment 
intimacy has been lacking for many people. Yes, for sure. So for me, this experiment was for me. And I get to trust that if it's in a space, I've created a vibration. I've created a ripple. What I don't do is try to control the ripple because we can't. The, uh, your, the name of your company is really interesting to me. I was like, Amplify Your Awesome. Ooh. So I, I was like, I was digging into like, what, what's the, like the definition? Like, how do you amplify something? And, I was, and I'm so fascinated by this idea of amplification because it is the ripple effect mm-hmm. um, from a very in-to-out energy rather than going, here's the world and I need to try and fit into it. It's very this is what I have and this is how I create a sound that travels. And I love it. I love it. Amplifying it. (laughs) It's not a word that I kind of see very often or even use really. And I was just like, amplify your awesome. That's great. Because awesome is, it's, it's not about, uh, actually I'd love to hear you actually. I'd love to hear what you, what you define awesome as. Thank you for saying that this name is, is is a good one because it took me a while to find it, but it was one of those intuitive moments where I was thinking about it and I was changing the name from a different from a different name and and I got this hit about the, you know the, the amplification for one because for so long I tried to fit into that box where I would try to follow someone else's example like well they had all the success and all these people had the same success so I'm going to do it this way and it never ended up working for me. I mean, it might work a little bit, but it was never what I really wanted. So it was really about taking all those awesome bits, everything that makes you unique, all your gifts, all your talents, all your experiences that you can just openly share, whether it's through a blog, whether it's through words, whether it's through video, everyone has awesomeness to share. You mentioned something earlier about people think we have to earn the right to be in the space. I mean, we're all put here for a reason. We just sometimes have to dig a little deeper to find out what it is. But when you find those things and you find the things that bring you joy, and then you can go amplify them simply by sharing them with people in different contexts, in different venues, at different spaces in time, that's how we get to amplify our awesome. It really is about being your unique self in all its crazy, weird glory sometimes. And then being able to share that in a, in a bigger, more profound way. And, and, I, and I love to help people do that so that they can monetize that because that's not talked about either. We talk about content creation all day long, every day, more content, more content, more content, but no one talks about, well, how do you turn your awesomeness into actual money that can support a family and bring you joy and help you create all these things that you're meant to create in this life? So for me, it's, it's kind of a long answer to this, this short question about amplifying your awesome is really, again, about taking those awesome parts of yourself or, you know, going on a journey with someone like you or me and co-creating and asking questions of people so that they start to be curious about themselves because I'm supremely curious. I know you're very curious. I love that you use the word experiment. I use that word a lot as well because it's all an experiment. So if we can go out there and try different things on, ask questions of ourselves, ask questions of others, that really helps us to inform this awesome person we truly are meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The I, 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 I do it myself and I witness a lot of people seeking answers and I truly don't believe that answers exist there's only information 
mm. and it's and it is part of this experiment that, that an experiment is merely um trying something and then trying it again mm-hmm. or trying something slightly different and seeing what comes back not we can hypothesize like this is the difference between thought and feeling we can we can think about what something's going to feel like until we go blue in the face and we often do <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> because, it, because it's easier and it's safer to just to get being our, an analysis brain than it is to try a thing and to feel what it feels like because that's really vulnerable yeah not just to try something because in some of those considerations it's I want to change my job. I want to do something big, change something that feels big. And so there's some messaging and, you know, there's conditioning around you need to make a claim of who you are. Like, again, it's identity. It's if I do this thing that is out of the information that other people have of me, then it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So we don't do it. So I will feel uncomfortable in my thought process for longer <laughs> until maybe the magical you know the magical spirits um, <laughs> of, of novelty will allow me the chance to do it without having to go I want to do this mm-hmm. because then it's coincidence then it's oh this just allowed me to do it it's this out to in energy of mm-hmm. needing something yes. to be present for us to do it whereas the the, the most powerful fizzy thing is to go, this feels really great and exciting and, and unknown and fearful, but not in a I'm at danger way. This is like vulnerability is mm-hmm. a very commonly used word. And there's two types of vulnerability. Vulnerability to be um, in, in danger, and which is the out to in energy that someone else is in control of the scenario. And we are just whatever falls out of it falls out of it and we've just got to deal with it and there's vulnerability of the in to out energy which is i choose to be soft and i choose to receive and i choose to be wide it's the feminine i choose to be wide and powerful like there's such power in that Mm -hmm. feminine of just being open and but the commonality is that out to in of being vulnerable of feeling scared. Yes. But fear also comes with the into out vulnerability and, and awe. you know, to awesome is to, is to inspire and express awe. the thing we, when we see someone feeling awe and sharing what they find awesome makes us feel awe. Like it inspires mm-hmm. awe in us. <laughs> yes. And so we're like, yes, whatever you're talking about. Yes. Tell me more. Do yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a different energy. And as you're explaining this, you know, both of us coming from performing arts backgrounds, I think of it in terms of costumes. It's really easy to put on a costume and live into that and like live into other people's expectations. But it's something different entirely to take the costume off and stand on the center stage with the spotlight on you being real, being raw, being your weird self. And that's that's really what this whole brand is about, about you can be your awesome self, no matter what that looks like. 
So Paul, I know we could talk for a long time. I know I want to make sure I'm very conscientious for our listeners so they can listen to this in one go because there's so much we unpacked today about stuff and the emotions tied to stuff and how to, how to streamline that stuff. So I know people are going to have questions. Where is the best place for them to connect with you? Uh, you can find me on my website, paulsocket.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram. Um, it's Soul Pocket, S-A-U-L-P-O-C-K-E-T. Um, and those are my main, main arenas, I guess. Amazing. Yes, I'll make sure I put those in today's show notes as well. So if you're listening on the podcast, come over to my website, youngpratt.com. Just search up Paul's name and he'll pop right up and his episode will be there waiting for you because now at the beginning of summer, thinking about our stuff, looking at our stuff and, and having a relationship and disconnecting our identity from our stuff, it's the perfect time to do that. So Paul, I want to thank you so much for, for sharing so openly, for, for talking us through what could be a really big process, but a really enlightening one at the end. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Holy smokes. Is your mind totally blown? This conversation with Paul got me thinking about so many different things and the emotions that we have that are tied to the things we have in our lives, whether it's physical or digital. Nothing would bring me more joy than continuing this conversation with you inside my Facebook community, the Arena of Awesome. It's the place that I love to hang out the most in this online digital space. I go live at least once a week. I answer questions. I share content I don't always share anywhere else. So I would love to invite you to come over, request to join. The group still is free and we are accepting new members. It's a place to play. It's a place to experiment. It's a place to get feedback. It's a place to really hone in on your awesomeness and learn to amplify it in a really profound way because you, my friend, are meant to be on that stage, in that arena, center stage, eyeballs on you, spotlight on you because you have so much value, so much worth, so much awesomeness. And together, we are going to amplify your awesome. I'll catch you on the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Amplify Your Awesome podcast. Let's continue this conversation inside my Facebook community, the Arena of Awesome, while it's still free and open to new members. Come share your biggest takeaways and ahas. Plus, every week inside the arena, you'll get access to me, and I may even share content I don't share anywhere else. Until next time, my friend, go out there today and amplify your awesome.